Former Judge Derek Mosley is with us live in the studio, the director of Marquette's Lubar Center for Public Policy Research and Civic Education. I want to call you Judge. I want to say, Judge, thank you for being here. Yeah, I still do, You can call me whatever you want to call me. (laughs) All right. Judge, thank you for being here. Don't call me late, though. (laughs) You are not late. You were, you, Greg, he's the earliest guest we've maybe ever had. He was in the studio before we got here. Yeah, he he, he was not Let me tell you, my dad said there's two things. You're either early or you're late. That's it. That's there's it. No, there's on no on time. Yeah, no, right. there's no on time. So, and you don't want to be late. Don't want to be late. Don't want to be late. Uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about Black History Month. Yeah, um, it's February second, and it's all throughout the month of February. Why is it important that we recognize? I love what you do because you recognize and focus on things that the rest of us maybe haven't heard of. Right. It's not only about MLK and, and Rosa Parks. Absolutely. It's about what you focus on. Yeah. So that, that's that's a good point, John. Thank you. Um, yeah. I like to talk about the things that you may not have heard of when it comes to uh, Black History Month. So you mentioned Rosa Parks. And Rosa Parks is an icon when it comes to civil rights, icon in the black community, icon in black history. But a lot of people don't know that there was a 14-year-old girl named Claudette Colvin who did it before Rosa Parks did it. and But for the fact that she was 14 years old, you would have never heard of Rosa Parks. And it's just, there's stories like that that are just amazing. I I just, on my way here, I just came back from giving a Black History speech out in Waukesha. And just the breadth of knowledge. I ask everybody, every time I say something, I say, did you know that was a fact? Did you know that? And a lot of people are like, no, I never heard it. Like, the stat I'll use, John is that people don't understand that blacks in America have been enslaved longer than they've been free. Think about that. That's amazing. Even today. Wow. Because 1619 to 1865 was slavery. 1865, that's 246 years, by the way. And then uh, 1865 to 2024, that's 159 years. Wow. So we won't actually get to the point where black people in America were free longer than enslaved until 2112. Hmm. That's 88 years from now. And so wow. I, I tell that fact and people are like, what? I had no yeah. idea. But yeah. that's why we need to teach black history. I, I've been fascinated with you just in general as a person for, gosh, 20 years well, now. Well, you knew me before I was honorable. Yeah, well, yes, <laughs> likewise, I guess, likewise. But uh, still the judge, of course. But but you and I would always talk about that, just the, the importance of of the black culture in Milwaukee and the education component that that needs to happen. Whites, blacks, everybody. Just yeah. to understand your roots, have people start to understand other, other other cultures. But the way you celebrate and bring to light historical figures in the black community that we have never heard of, I think it's amazing. You do it every day on your Facebook page throughout yeah. Black History Month. You've been doing that for years. Yeah, uh, 12 years now. 12 years. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's great. And, you know, I started because I just, I had kids. Right. And I wanted my kids to understand where they came from, what they were about and their history, because they weren't being taught that total history. And I was fortunate to have parents who made sure I knew that story. And so I do it. You know me doing it for 12 years. But my sister, who lives in Chicago, has been doing it for 12 years, too. And so we've been trying to spread this news out because that's what was told to us by our parents. And it's just important that everybody knows those stories. They're great stories. Everybody's like, well, we don't want people to feel bad. It's not about making people feel bad. Right. It's telling stories about how persistence and hard work and uh, diligence over unbelievable odds, you could still succeed. And that's a story we need to tell these youth today who grow up in a community where they don't think they're going to make it. There's no hope. And then you tell the story about these people who got spit on and fire hosed and all this just to go vote. And then we say, well, I don't have time to go vote. Right. That's why you tell those stories. You have to make it important. You have to put a face and a name to these stories. 
Derek Mosley is with us. In your role as former judge, you dealt with a lot of people and families that were going through a very tough time for all different sorts of circumstances. You did that for a very long time. I wanted to ask you about the debate in our state about Amber Alerts. Yeah. Right now, Amber Alerts are only issued under very specific circumstances, and sometimes kids fall through the cracks in regard to Amber Alerts because maybe we don't know the suspect's vehicle or some other little bit of information. So State Senator LaTanya Johnson is trying to change that and trying to elevate that more kids would be protected. What's your view on our Amber Alert system and whether it should be tweaked? Yeah, I think it should be tweaked. I think we should make sure that we incorporate all kids. Now, there's a, the largest number of just missing people, a lot of them, are Native. But when's the last time you saw a missing alert and said, looking for so-and-so, and he was Native? You don't see that, right? We see kids who are... You see them on TV, and they're like, oh, that looks like my kid. So we have to find this kid. And we don't put those stories of other groups on. And we need to open that up so everybody has a chance. I know if my kid was missing, I would want you to be looking for right. my kid, right? And so I don't think there's anybody listening right now that doesn't feel that same way. So, yes, if we can expand it, that's a good thing. What are you focused on? You said you were giving a, a Black History Month speech uh, earlier today. I'm sure you are busy yesterday with it as well, uh, sort of the launch of the month. But what do you focus on? What, what is your goal from start to finish when you're giving those speeches? Yeah, just knowledge. Just telling the story. Like I just told you. So I do a stat every single day. For now, it's going to be 29 days because it's 29 days this month in February. So I do a stat a day on social media. So it's on LinkedIn. It's on Facebook. It's on Instagram. And it's just one stat. I keep it short. You read it and you can move on. But it's that one stat that you might not have known. I, I told you the story about the amount of time that uh, blacks in America have been enslaved as opposed to being free. I, the, the stat I had today was about the white lion. So we, we talk about a lot of ships in history, right? Titanic, Edmund Fitzgerald, Mayflower, uh, Nina Pinta, and Santa mm-hmm. Maria, right? Yeah, we all know yeah. those. But no one knows that on October and August 20th, 1619, a ship called the White Lion dropped off the first 20 enslaved Africans on the coast of Virginia and started the two and a half centuries long transatlantic slave trade. No one knows the name of that ship. Right? The White Lion. And, and I think it's important that we tell – that's an American story, right? They have it on American soil. And it's important to know that. This, I don't think – history is this weird thing because you need to learn from it, the good and the bad. You need to learn from it. And when people can see themselves in history – the reason why we have history is because Carter Woodson said, if you can uh, have a, a people feel that they don't know they've contributed anything to society, then you control that, that group of people. And that's why he started, it was called Negro History Week, and then it grew out to Black History Month. And so, just trying to continue that story. Marquette's Derek Mosley is with us. Derek, can you please stick around through the uh, bottom of the hour? You're a foodie, too, and I'm fascinated by that. We want to discuss that part with you. Absolutely. We are rejoined in the studio by Derek Mosley, former judge in our city and director of Marquette's Lubar Center for Public Policy Research and Civic Education. Derek, thanks so much for hanging out. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, you have a, a, you're have a guy who does a lot of different things, and I think people maybe don't realize how serious you are about the food scene. Yeah, food's important. Uh, I'm going to start with a general question. How impressive is the food scene in Milwaukee, and has it gotten more impressive literally each year? Yeah, it's unbelievable. I mean, you can just look at the James Beard Awards, right? We have all these nominated chefs, restaurants. It's, it's amazing. When I first moved here, no disrespect to Applebee's and all those things. They're great. They might be sponsors, so <laughs> eat at Applebee's. Oh, but, but, but anyway... <laughs> um, you know, it, it wasn't like that. I mean, the, the classy restaurant, I remember Grenadiers. I don't know if you remember yeah, Grenadiers. Yeah, I do. Sure. So you had like your, your Grenadiers. Now, 
it, it, it's unbelievable how amazing the food scene is in all different types of cuisine. You think Milwaukee. Let's do Korean today. What about West African? Oh, you know, I was thinking about Japanese. Mm-hmm. Or I was thinking about Guatemalan. We have all those here. I mean, it's 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 amazing. Yes. It, it's hard to keep up, and that is a good thing. But every year, it seems like more and more James Beard-nominated chefs or restaurants, whether it's a regional award or national, are coming from this city, Derek. Yeah. So we were talking to Chef Adam Pavlik about that last time he was on, and it triggered something in my mind that my guy Derek always posts pictures about food. <laughs> right. And he let us in on a little secret that you actually are one that goes around and is an official food taster or tester or raider. How do you describe what you do? Well, I had the fortune of uh, being a James Beard scout judge for the James Beard Foundation. That's incredible. Yeah. um, It was remarkable. I didn't even think about it. But you're absolutely right. I started, like you just said, there's so many great restaurants, and I didn't want them to leave. And so I said, I'm going to put it on my my social media and try to get some business and drum up some business. And then it just caught on, and the restaurants are like, hey, we're opening up. We're doing this special. Could you put it on? So I just kept putting it on. It just got bigger (laughs) and bigger. And apparently it got the... You know, attention of the James Beard Foundation, and they said you should apply to be a, a judge. And wow! What, what's really funny is on the application it says it's a it's a pretty intense application, but on the application it says, "What makes you think that you'd be a good judge?" And I literally put, <laughs> "You are a judge. I am a judge." <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> that was my answer. That's the honest to God truth. I so said, how, I am a judge. How long is that? Like a year long appointment, or how how does that work? Do you have to hit I certain amount of restaurants? Yeah. Can, okay. But but what I can tell you though is. Um, so, so basically, you know, they they have different divisions. So your scout judges, tasting judges, and then um, the ultimate mm-hmm. judge who's like, okay, I got these three restaurants. I'm going to go try them myself. So scouts go out and look and say, you should probably try this place out. Check it out. And then the tasting judges get their list, and they go and they try the restaurants, and they write a report, send it to the, the head person in your region, and that person goes to the one's and then they make the decision. It's it's really wild. Fascinating. That is the greatest party I have ever gone to in my life. <laughs> oh, the the awards. Oh, the James Beard Awards. Yeah. It's you know. So you you've been to a million awards. You've won a ton of Emmys, right? So you you go to these award ceremonies and they're boring. You know. You know. I know. I mean, it's nice to win the Emmy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But. If you're just yeah. watching it, you're like, oh, great. Uh-huh. Another person won an Emmy, right? And you, you're looking you, at your watch. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But then after that's over, the James Beard Awards, they're 12 food stations. And the first the year I did it was there were also five drink stations. So they added drinks mm. to the James Beard Awards for yes. the first time where you can get mm-hmm. craft cocktails. Mm-hmm. So after the party's over, you go to each station. These are like James Beard-dominated restaurants, and you get to eat Wow. All you want. That's it was, awesome. It was crazy. I, I just got to tell the story. So I, I I like caviar. I can't afford caviar. And so <laughs> they had this big cheese wheel that they had hollowed out, and it was full of caviar. Right? So I went over there and got some caviar. Night's over. It's time to go. And I'm like, what are you doing with all that caviar? And she's like, I, we got to throw it out. I'm like, give me that spoon. And I'm just sitting oh, there no. eating caviar out of this cheese wheel. I'm like, oh. Well, I wake up the next morning at hot dog fingers from oh, all the no. sodium. But it was, it was delicious. I hope somebody got a picture of that. <laughs> no. oh, but that's amazing. It's an amazing party. And then you're sitting there eating, and you turn around and look, and there's Andrew Zimmer. Right? And you're like, wait a minute. Right, right there. All these, yeah. yeah, all these Food Network stars are all around you. And you're like, this is crazy. Yeah, the tickets... You know, when you're when you're a judge, you go for free. The tickets are five hundred bucks a piece, Ooh, wow. so it's 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 pricey. Um, 
But we that access you get to these chefs, and they're all amazing. You know, you think, I mean, you're a world-renowned chef. You think they have the attitude. They were great sitting down, talking to you. Hey, want to take a picture? Sure, we'll take a picture. It was an amazing experience. What's that your guilty really cool. food pleasure? Something oh, that would surprise people. That's not fancy, not expensive. Yeah, oh, boy, that's a really good question. So my guilty food pleasure I am a junkie for euros. Oh. I will. I love a good euro. Yeah. I, I just something about it. I'm with you there. Yeah, it's just it's a yeah. it's a good packaged meal. It's easy yeah. to eat. It's not that messy if you can fold back that yeah. paper. You know, it's a it's a good meal. But I eat literally everything. Yeah, from the ruda to the tuda, I eat it all, man. So that is an amazing component of your life, right? Yeah. Like, who wouldn't you just posting pictures about barbecue and great places oh. in Milwaukee, and all of a sudden you're yeah. you're on this committee? Yeah, that's amazing. Right. I, mean, I, I honestly thought it was a joke, right? So I get this email and it says James Beard Foundation, and I was like, oh, well, there must be an event coming up. I look at it and it says. We would love for you to apply to be a James Beard just. So I wow. thought it was a joke. I'm like, someone's fooling One of my with buddies, me. yeah. Right. But, you know, it was legit. And then the application came, fill out the application, and then you go through this training, and then, yeah, you're off. That's so cool. I want to ask you about one other thing. I know we're late already. The producer's going to kill me, but you marry a lot of people. Yeah. Like Four, a lot of people. 1,400 so far. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Why is it important that you keep doing that? Yeah. So, I, real quick, so I, I had um, end stage renal disease. I was on dialysis uh, eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, every single day of the week. And there was no, I had no pleasure. There's no happiness. I mean, Christmas would come. My kids are downstairs opening gifts, cry, laughing, having a good time. And I'm hooked up to a machine upstairs. So I didn't feel like I was part of the family. So weddings became my happy, right? Because you go there, everybody's happy. Everybody's having a good time. Everybody's celebrating. And so I said, I'm just going to throw myself into this until I get this kidney. And I just fell in wow. love with it, and I just love doing them now. That's how it all started. 1,400. Yeah, 1,400. That's amazing. Oh, and all over the place, too. Ireland. Really? Ireland. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Absolutely. That's cool. Yeah, they're great. Wow. He is Derek Mosley. I wish we had more time. We're going to have you back Please, on a regular I'd love basis. To. Love uh, to. Thanks for what you do for Black History Month appreciate and for it. our community. It's such good stuff. I appreciate being here. You guys got the best job uh, in the city. It's, it's pretty good, <laughs> it's right? Fun. We enjoy it, man. <laughs> He's the director of Marquette's Lubar Center for Public Policy Research and Civic Education. Great to catch up. Have a good weekend, Derek. You too, my friend.